Everybody, welcome back to the choir room. The choir room is uh, is where we are here today, watching Glee episode number fourteen of season three. I don't know why I'm starting this off so strangely, but let's go with it. <laughs> the episode title is "On My Way," and we are on our way to another very fun recap of a very big episode here. Uh, let's, of course, welcome in my fabulous co-host Amon Adwin. How are you doing today, Amon? I am wonderful. This regionals episode sort of snuck up on us in a little bit. It did. I like. I was like thinking in the last episode, like, what's next? You, you know, we kind of never, or at least I never remember until uh, we finish recording one episode and then I go on to the next, whatever. Um, I was like, regionals already? Jeez. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I can do it. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Regionals is here. Uh, sectionals was only a couple episodes ago, but listen, if you gotta get to national, or if you want to get to nationals, you gotta get regionals mixed in there. Uh, and this was also a bit of a finale episode or a mid-season finale episode. They decided for season three they were gonna break things up a little bit more than usual. So after we get the Christmas episode, they go off for. Let me actually check. I want to see uh, how many ex- exactly how many. Uh, weeks they were off for season I think I remember three. I feel like it was two weeks so the Christmas episode was a month uh was between Christmas and episode 10 was a month and then we had four episodes straight no five episodes straight and now mm-hmm. we're up to episode 14 and it went from February 21st to 2012 until April 10th 2012 oh, so shit, I was way off months uh many months like the difference of like remember where we were in february and remember where we were and on april 10th like that big difference so yeah that's kind of crazy why did they do that um i don't remember if i mean i'm sure there was a reason i'm sure we could kind of find it relatively easily but like oh you know what it might have had something to do with whitney houston's death because i seriously doubt that the whitney houston tribute episode was planned until she died in february of 2012 So they might have had to rework some things. Possible. Totally possible. Uh, We'll look into that and uh, get you guys a definitive answer at some point or another. But yes, uh, there was a long break. And there's, you know, of my my fandom with Glee, of my memories of this at the time, not many memories stand out more to me than remembering this cliffhanger. Uh, watching this episode and not only the Karofsky of it all, where we're going to start off this episode, but everything with Quinn having to wait months. And you know, how many Google searches did I do to say, did Quinn die? Is she okay? Where's <laughs> Quinn? Quinn, 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 like waiting for actors to comment, waiting for somebody to calm things down and let me know that Quinn Fabray was not about to be killed. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you type what happened to Quinn, it'll still like be one of the top searches on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember being pretty astounded by this as well. This is when, this is a, right around the time that I, st- I, I, you know, got caught up with Glee. Cause like I said, I didn't start watching Glee, um, until season three was already airing. Um, and then I went back and binged one and two, and then I got all the way back up to three. And I think this is probably, it was maybe like the episode before this where I got caught up. And so for me to 
have all those episodes to binge and then all of a sudden I'm, I only have two episodes to watch and then this is what happens this is what it leaves off on I was so so upset about this and I thought for sure that we were going to kill her off because we already knew that a few of these actors we didn't know what the future held for them because a lot of them were seniors so obviously not all of them can come back especially if they're bringing in new students like Joe and Rory and so for me I thought that that was just the surefire way to release Diana Agron from her contract because I think that we were already getting rumblings of her not really, you know, wanting to be on the show anymore. So I was just like, oh, that's it. This is what they're going to do for Quinn. And then the rest of the school year, they're going to dedicate all of the performances to her. And, you know, she was about to go to Yale. She had all these things going for her. And then she lost her life in a car accident, tragically. That's what I thought they were going to do. But. No. <laughs> well, no. We'll see. We yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, similar feelings. It was just, uh, I could have seen them going in that direction of deciding to kill her with this crash. And I'm obviously so glad that they didn't. It's just, that's not a necessary thing. This isn't Degrassi. This isn't any of those other shows where you kill a character because you have a thousand to choose from and you can deal with that. Like, this is like 12, 13 kids that we get close to, that we grow to, like, like, you, like, we the the glee concert that we may have or have not talked about i'm not sure i mean it's happening at some point don't know if you'll hear it by the time you hear this who knows but whatever uh at the glee concert <laughs> performance a lot of the fans that went like they give like these confessionals and it's just every person every single character has their fans every single one of them it's like there's such a limited amount of cast uh, of of characters even though it seems like there's a lot of people on the show Having only so many kids, like, everybody had their fans. And to, like, have the entire Quinn Fabray fan group, like, have to go through this kind of thing. Like, these are young fans also, keep in mind. Like, it's not like, like, Degrassi's a teen drama, and this is also kind of that. But, like, a lot of young kids watch this show, and I just would have been so heartbroken if they ended up doing that. So I'm very glad they didn't. Yeah, I mean, and that's an interesting point, because... Like, like we talk about all the time, Glee really walks the line between comedy and drama and how much they want to dive into some of these, you know, more dire themes and stories. And they already sort of touched upon death a bit. I mean, we got a bit of it with, we brushed it with season two with Kurt's dad, you know, in the heart attack and not necessarily knowing if, if he was going to survive. And then we also got it during the funeral episode so for me, I, I felt like that was probably, I, I was more predisposed to it. I was like, oh, this is it. Like, we're going to get, this is, this is the death episode for this season. Like, this is, this is it. But right. I think I have to agree. I, I, I'm glad that they chose not to do that for Quinn, especially given we spent so much time with her acting a fucking mess for the entire season. And then you mean to tell me as soon as she gets everything back on track, that's, you're, you're going to kill her off? Like, yeah. This is not Grey's Anatomy, okay? Like, don't try to be Shonda <laughs> Rhimes, Ryan Murphy. Like, it's not going to work. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot to get into here. Let's uh, let's dive into this episode. And let me also start off by saying, I apologize if you hear my cat. Uh, we just moved today. This is my first podcast from uh, my new setup, which isn't a complete setup. I'm literally sitting on an ottoman with a table in front of me, like, trying to make do, uh, but wasn't going to stop. Had to get, you know, had to talk about this episode. I knew it was coming and I was excited to get to it because we're in a stretch of season three that is just like the action really picks up here. So I've been excited for it. Um, and my cat is like screaming at the door because we just brought her here from the old place and she is like freaking out uh not very happy with the changes so i don't know if you can hear her but either way uh let's get into this episode lady Alpha tubbington Force. is here to make her appearance okay 
I I resent that knowing knowing Lord Tubbington's resi- uh, pres- uh what am I trying to say reputation I don't love that for my girl uh so yeah she's <laughs> she's much better than that uh, oh my god loser, you know what can you please you know do a little spoof video of you and Belle that's his cat's name guys and you can do a fondue for two and put it on our Twitter page. She truly runs every time that I have a camera in front of her face, and I don't know how she is so aware oh, of the fact diva. that I'm taking... She is. Um, she knows when the camera's out, and she either runs, stops being cute, or hides. Like, the big eyes, they disappear the second the camera comes out. She's like, no, I'm I'm not doing this. Now, is she your cat, or is she your family's cat? But uh, if, fa- and if, she's yeah. your, if she's your family's cat, she's still your cat. Does that make sense? She's my family's cat, uh, pretty much, but, like, she's my brother and my cat, and I moved to a new place with my brother, and the two of us are, you know, very much both. Uh, she's she's ours, I guess, even though we both obviously often fight over who she loves more, but that's uh, another podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> Any more uh, cat questions? I, I like this. Uh, I, I, would, I could talk about her all day. Um, I'll think of some periodically okay. throughout this episode. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Uh, let's get into this episode. Uh, it is... Time for regionals. We are going to see Rachel and Kurt off at the Lima Bean where Sebastian lives, of course. And uh, of course, he's going to show up and he's going to give Rachel a an, an engagement gift. He says that he got it for her. It's uh, a very touching gesture from somebody who is obviously often at odds with the New Directions. Rachel opens up this envelope and inside she finds some pictures of Finn and he is not wearing an ounce of clothing. And yeah, she looks at it, is obviously horrified. Kurt also looks at it and is horrified. This is his stepbrother. And she's immediately freaking out saying, nope, it's photoshopped. His thing is not that small. She's she's freaking out about it. Sebastian is like, just think from now until forever. When people Google Finn Hudson, they are going to see that picture and dozens like it. Uh, Sebastian wants a guaranteed regionals win and he wants the new directions to drop out. So he is threatening Rachel here with you better drop out because if you don't, I will put these fake nudes of Finn online and they're going to be there for the rest of time. Kurt tells Sebastian that he gives a bad name to the entire gay community, which I mean... Yeah, he's pretty evil and uh, pretty awful. Uh, that's that's the villain of Sebastian. Um, and Sebastian tells them that she has or tells Rachel she has 24 hours to drop out of the regionals. Otherwise, he is posting these pictures. Yeah. So I feel like we definitely got a lesson. I mean, I, I was in class that day when Holly Holiday taught us about child pornography. And so I feel like doing this with well, unless he's 18 damn well no because sebastian is underage sebastian is not a senior from what we know right he's like a sophomore or something so for him to be posting pornographic images well does that hold the same weight i don't know the legality of it it seems like it could be (laughs) kind of fucked up okay yeah, no, definitely. Uh, definitely not a good thing to do uh, in any way. And he probably could get in a massive amount of trouble for it, especially like who exposed I'm surprised they didn't bring like, that up was my point. <laughs> that was a very like, long-winded way of saying I don't know why Rachel or Kurt didn't be like, bitch, go ahead and try it and then get arrested. Yeah, but then again, like they just saw Blaine get rock-salted, uh, you know, slushy to the face and not a thing happened. So... Doesn't seem like they can trust in anybody to take care of things like this, no matter what. So, yeah. 
Back at the school, Finn is obviously freaking out, very upset about uh, what he just found out about. Will is telling him to calm down. Artie's reading the show choir rule book to see like uh, things they can do to you know circumvent the situation. Uh, Will says he contacted the headmaster of Dalton, and Blaine is come on. Blaine's like, "Come on, what, what's that going to do? You talked to him last time, and nothing happened." Rachel says it doesn't matter. None of this matters. We have to perform. I'm not going to negotiate with a terrorist. And Will's like, all right, listen, uh, you guys have to deal with this because the more successful that you get, the more often things like this are going to happen, which I get what he's saying there. Don't love that as like his advice on telling a bunch of high school seniors and juniors like, yeah, if people are going to leak nudes about you, you know, uh, fake nudes with you, you're just going to have to kind of deal with it. Um, and ultimately, this ends up leading to a fight between Finn and Rachel because Finn is like, Rachel, I, I can't believe that you would do this. You're opting to perform even though you know what's going to happen to me. Rachel's like, well, you know, this affects me too because uh, the guy I'm going to be marrying, like this, it's going to be your pictures up there and that's going to be bad for my reputation as well. Finn's like, what if these pictures were of you? Rachel's like, listen, I, I, I really need regionals for my Niata application. I really need to win and, and, and yeah. And Finn is just pissed off by the end of this. He's going to storm out of the room saying, well, I hope you get in. Yeah, I mean... I, I feel for Finn here. I, I get it. But why you, you're going to. So what you're saying is you want to just give in to Sebastian too. Like, is that really the solution here? And is Rachel really the one to blame? Like, Rachel is a very selfish person. She is. And I feel like if I was going to dive into the psyche of Rachel Berry, I'm sure this is more about her wanting to sing more so than her trying to stick up against, you know, you know, you know, stand up against <laughs> quote unquote terrorists. But at the same time, she's not completely in the wrong here. And I feel like this is all coming from Sebastian. You need to be dealing with Sebastian, not Rachel. Don't pick your battles with her. I mean, because her dropping out of the competition is not... First of all, y'all can win without Rachel. You've already done it. Y'all won sectionals without Rachel, so you can do it. <laughs> but that's not the point. <laughs> like, I just feel like there is... like I feel like he's fighting the wrong fight here. But I understand mm -hmm. because he wants, he wants, her, he wants his... Uh, his fiance to stick stand by him but i just don't necessarily know if standing by him means negotiating with sebastian like that doesn't really make any sense to me yeah but okay Finn. Uh, yeah whatever there's a lot happening here we'll get to more later there's so much especially like the way that finn and rachel are going to end up coming back together eventually it's yeah uh typical finchel and i as usual oh we get a little moment between sugar and rory here too yeah, Sugar's like if uh, if that happened to me, I would be terrified and I would hate that. And uh, no, she says, does she say that? She, I think she says she would she kill said herself. She she says she'd kill herself. And then Rory said twice to make sure that I was dead. Yeah, so um, some some comedy thrown in there. Some that was also foreshadowing. But uh, yeah, there we go. Really, uh, not necessarily standing the test of time. But what I thought was interesting was the two of them were standing close together. I was wondering, are they still like supposed to be together? Is that supposed to be a thing, Rory and uh, Sugar? Yeah, I think they're like close enough together to the point where if they wanted to continue making that a thing, they could, but they didn't, you know, they could easily split them back up and make you forget that that's a thing. So mm -hmm. where do you stand on people using the phrase, uh, I'm going to kill myself? Like, I just did the worst. Like, I just had the longest day. I'm so tired. And now I have a flat tire. I'm going to kill myself. Um, I think I think it's. A very very popular idiom to use this over exaggeration what i will say is be just try to be more aware before you say something like that like read the room because yeah. you never really know what other people are going through but 
I will also say, and at the risk of sounding insensitive, I will also say that I, you know what? No, let me not, let me not even say that. I'm not even going to turn into those waters. I would just say try to be as uh, aware as possible, but I'm not about I'm not about to like cancel somebody because they say they're going to kill themselves. I mean, how many times have 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 you all said that? Like, how many times have we said I'm going to kill you? You know what I mean? And we don't right. actually mean that. So I'm not that hung up on that. Um, but I also understand why people are like, just just be more aware. And I fully support, mm-hmm. you know, being more aware in general. Yeah, it's really not my favorite expression. I, I, I have not used it in a very long time after uh, just, you know, realizing that it's not the best thing to say. There's other ways to say, you know, express your frustration kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that I mean, just to also kind of tie some things in here, like this episode is obviously dealing with some heavy content. And if anyone out, out there, you know. It's like this. Ha- there's a lot of heavy content in Glee, but this in particular, if there's if there's anything in here that you know you're a little bit uncomfortable with hearing discussion about, like totally get it. If you want to like skip ahead, skip around here. Uh, totally, you know, we're gonna of course do our best to be careful with everything we're talking about, but it, it's a, a heavy topic. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I, and I can't necessarily speak for Matt, but as far as myself, like. If we ever do say something, or if I ever do say something that's a little bit off color, call me out on it. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to 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 be wrong. I'm not afraid for people to t- uh, let me know when I'm, you know, misinformed about something. Let me know, um, and I'll definitely be sure to to take that perspective in into consideration. You know, I like I I feel like this podcast is supposed to be like we for the most part we are trying to just sort of like recap a show that we love and go through some of these old stories and, you know, and you talk about how we feel about it then versus now. And obviously that's going to uh, mean that we're going to have to talk about some heavier subjects. Um, But we just want to make sure that we're being as respectful as possible. And sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes I get it wrong. And like I said, like, let a hoe know. I'm not afraid. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to be wrong. Yeah, absolutely agree with all of that. Same for me. Uh, you know, please do let us know. We're all learning. We're all growing. And uh, yes, as we continue on through the rest of this show. So uh, that's a great note to throw in there. Let's get to Sue and Quinn. Uh, that's going to be the next scene we have up here. Sue is going to break the news to Quinn. The happy news that we are finding out for the first time all together. Sue is with child and she is very happy. And Quinn says like, wow, that's amazing. But also confusing. Uh, who's the father? Sue won't tell her just yet, because then she would have to tell us just yet, so that's a mystery for now. Uh, and Sue's talking about some morning sickness that she's been feeling, and Quinn's like, well, that's a good sign. Quinn's giving her some tips on things that she did, uh, different ways that she dealt with everything when she was pregnant, You know, particularly uh, sleeping on lollipops. Weird, but it works. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, Quinn is going to end this meeting here by asking to rejoin the Cheerios. She says it is her senior year and she wants to finish high school with a national championship, but not so fast. Uh, Sue, after this like warm, touching gesture of like telling Quinn about your pregnancy is going to end up saying, no, I'm sorry. It would be unfair to the rest of the girls who have been working so hard all year. It's just, I, I don't think that we can do it. Sorry, Q. So, Quinn tried, but not happening. Yeah. So <laughs> women go through some shit with pregnancy, man. Like, and I just would not. I mean, childbirth, I think is beautiful and everything, but they be going through some stuff. I can't imagine like having to carry around this human being inside of you for nine months, you know, assuming everything goes, you know, as according to plan and then having to 
birth a child and all of the sickness that comes with it and your whole body changes you're throwing up every morning you're 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 nauseous your your feet are getting wider you're getting big like just a bunch of stuff appetite mood swings all sorts of stuff just so the fact that like somebody like sue is gonna have to go through all of that like i can just only imagine like what that does to somebody that's already mm-hmm. kind of just crazy <laughs> as it is so yeah, I just I love uh, tracking the Sue and Quinn relationship over time. It's like an underrated uh, storyline or character thing uh, between these two because they've That's obviously true, had a lot yeah. of history from season one. Uh, so I just love to see any kind of check ins with them over time. Obviously, it's like in the way that we see Will and Finn all the time. We know the bond between those yeah. two. Like Sue always says, I see a lot of myself in you. And uh, I like to just follow up with these two. Yeah, that's a good analysis because I, I, I was thinking the same thing when I was watching is that like yeah she really is sort of like that mentor to to quinn and it is sort of a lot like uh finn and mr Shu. and i don't think yeah. that we really see any of that ever again as far as sue is concerned mm-hmm. and and without neither with uh mr Shu either like finn and uh quinn were like their babies huh, sue Shu, finn quinn i get it conspiracy illuminati confirmed wait what'd you say finn quinn I said shoe, shoe, sue. Oh, I Finn I Quinn. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear the shoe. I was like, did you say Will and Sue rhyme? Uh, okay, uh, okay, yeah, same page. But we're back on it. Uh, Kurt and Blaine are on the stage. Let's get to uh, some some big stuff here. Kurt and Blaine are on the stage uh, at the high school, and uh, Kurt is asking Blaine if he's okay. Uh, Blaine doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about Sebastian. He wants to focus on winning. Uh, the theme for regionals this year is inspiration. And Kurt, uh, sorry, Blaine has an idea for a song that they can do. He asks Kurt if he wants to sit and uh, listen to him do it. Kurt says yes, of course. And as the background vocals are, no, sorry, the background instrumentals are going to start playing for Cough Syrup, we are going to see Karofsky. We have not seen Karofsky much this season, but we saw him in the last episode where he and Kurt reconnected at Breadsticks and uh, Kurt ended up, you know, kind of turning him down. Karofsky enters the locker room. Obviously, he's at his new school. He's looking around like a normal day, entering the locker room, and he sees Nick, this other guy that was at Breadsticks the other day and caught Karofsky there with Kurt and made a comment, of course. He walks over towards his locker, and what is on his locker but a three-letter word that starts with an F. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, his face drops. It's a very slow scene. You get to see every emotion on Max Adler's face. Of course, that's the actor who plays Karofsky. And uh, as Karofsky turns around, he looks back at everybody else in the locker room. And uh, Nick looks back at him and he's like, man, that's terrible in a very condescending voice. And this is all going over. uh, This is all cut in between while Blaine begins his performance of cough syrup. Um, As this is going on, uh, Nick comes up to him to try to fight him, which is, you know, this entire scene is just showing how terrible everybody's being to him. This locker room is full of like 50 homophobes, just like guys that are shaming him, you know, threatening to beat him up. Like, look at the expression on their faces. They're all just like, like looking at him like he is scum. Uh, Karofsky ends up running home. He logs online and he's looking at comments from all over social media, calling him a homo, telling him to go back in the closet and he's going to sit around his room looking at things and just, you know, this again, this is all 
while uh, Blaine is still doing this cough syrup, perform- cough syrup performance, uh, Karofsky ends up opening up his closet, laying out an outfit. He takes the belt from the outfit. He's very emotional, very devastated with everything that just happened to him in the past. You know, it looks like an hour or two hours that have maybe gone by since that all happened. Of course, this scene, again, very triggering, I'm sure, for some people. Karofsky gets up onto the chair in his closet with a very nice outfit put on. But he gets up, he looks up at the chair, he looks at the bar, and of course we know what's going on here. Uh, Karofsky is planning to potentially kill himself or make an attempt to do so as, uh, again, Blaine is singing Cough Syrup. Um, let me just come out and say I there's no way to hide this for me, uh, no way to hide it at all. Um, for this episode, for this season, for this show... Cough syrup is my number one, uh, my number one Glee performance of all time. Um, yeah, this is a. I don't even know where to begin, really. Um, this sucks. <laughs> I haven't uh, necessarily seen a lot of, and I'm not saying that they don't exist. Uh, what I'm saying is, I I myself haven't been exposed to a lot of uh, TV shows uh, showing a gay character resort to this to the ultimate end it thing mm-hmm. this is one of the few portrayals that i have seen and it's it's uh it's yeah it's pretty uh, it's pretty straight to the point it's pretty uh pretty brutal i think it's done as well as a show like glee probably could do it i think what was so profound for me was to be right there with him in that moment even through all of the shit that we saw him do to Kurt in the last season, you get that despair. You get just that feeling of just like helplessness of like, you know, you have all these people saying all of these horrible, mean things to you about something that you know that you really can't control and something that you've done your damnedest to control. And then it led to you having to transfer schools because you were acting out in such vicious ways. And then you feel like you finally can get to a point where you're able to like yourself a bit more. And then you find a community and even people in that community, because I'm mean, jump, jumping ahead a little bit, but we're going to see a little bit of a, a, a scene here with him and Sebastian. And Sebastian is pretty much telling him, like, don't even bother coming out of the closet. Like, you're not going to be able to get a guy. Like, it's just not going to happen for you. So you do all of this work to be okay with yourself on some level. You find your crowd. And then there are people that are part of that crowd that are also just throwing you to the wolves it's like it's just it's just it's just it sucks it's just people don't realize just how much it takes for someone to have to deal with all of that and not everybody is affirmed in ways that they should and so this is often not well i won't say often but it you know in in a lot of times is the only option that people can see for themselves and Mm -hmm. i got it the whole time i it's it's rough. Like it's not. It's not something fun to to be going through. And I relate a lot to Karofsky in this in this scene. Yeah, a, a lot of people can probably relate to the struggle that he's going through here. Regardless of you know, regardless of if you've had these thoughts or not, and we're going to see a lot a little bit later on the kids all debating their feelings on this, and we'll get into all of that. But like. You can obviously, you know, everybody has gone through something where they've gotten to uh, the to their point. Uh, and again, we will talk about all that, of course. Will's going to bring that up as well. Um, and it's just, this is this was Karofsky's point. He was 
obviously, uh, like you said, he he became so comfortable with himself. He was allowing himself to go out to these bars and to meet people and to try to put himself out there. And he just got so beat up for it. And it's like not just like you know pushed around by one or two guys. Like he didn't have his own Karofsky. The whole world became Karofskys to him. And every single person, like I don't know where he transferred to and how he ended up at this school where it was just full of homophobes. Like uh, it's, it's so unfortunate that that happened. Um, it's just like nothing about this is, is fun in any way, shape or form. It's of course a very graphic, well, it's not graphic. It's, it's a very hard to watch, uh, scene as we see what he's doing, what he's trying to, what he's trying to do. And just of course, Blaine in the background with cough syrup and the song just matches up with the scene very well. Like life's too short to even care at all, uh, kind of thing. It's just, it's so emotional and as, as I talk about how cough syrup is my number one from the show of all time, a lot of it has to do with the scene that is playing with it. It's just such a powerful moment where it's a, sh- a show like this. You're going to see a storyline like this. It, it's part of it's part of the territory, you know, high school kids and a teen suicide story, like possible uh, possible attempt, that kind of thing. Like it's going to happen uh, on a show like this. And it's just all together. Cough syrup. Like I said, I I. I will, uh, I'm sure not just today and not just on the season three wrap up many times I'm going to be praising the song. It's just, it's, it's, it's great. That's all I got. Yeah. I, I like the performance as well. I did. And it's the, it's the first time that I heard the song. So mm-hmm. yeah, when I, when yeah. I hear the original, it's like, Ooh. Yeah. I don't know the original. Uh, I, I know the Blaine cover and that's it. That's uh and that's all I need. It's uh, and it comes up, you know, it's not just me. I'm glad uh, every time that you ask people like, What's your favorite uh, Glee songs? Unless you ask him on, then he's going to tell you like uh, Sue Sylvester singing Ohio is the number one Glee song of all time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, cough syrup usually comes Shady. up in people's like top five, top ten. I recently saw there's an account uh, out of context Glee, which uh, very good account. You should follow them if you don't. Um, they did a recent poll of like every like Glee fans vote for your top. 20 no 30 songs and cough syrup i believe came up at number five for them number one for me so that's cough syrup uh after this we're gonna see figgins talking to will sue emma and coach beast about how they really have to be careful telling the kids about what happened uh even like an attempt like david's can cause a lot of harm to the kids you don't want to put this kind of thought and idea out there because then they'll start thinking about it and you just don't want it to grow into something else so we have to be careful about how we handle this uh the teachers are all just discussing everything Thing. Sue was crying a, a little bit, saying she just wishes she could have done more. She was principal at the time where Karofsky was going through a lot when he was here, and she's like, I knew something was up with him. Um, Will's like all, and she even says, like, all I could think of is like Dave's, David's dad finding him at the time that this happened. And we actually cut to a scene of uh, Karofsky and his dad finding him, you know, after, I guess, he, obviously we know that uh, Karofsky was found in time and ended up uh, being taken to the hospital and was ultimately okay. So we see his dad finding him and obviously very distraught about that. Will's talking about how we wish we could have done, he wishes they could have done more, but like everybody just thought he was trying to hurt Kurt. Not a single person thought of him as a human being that maybe something was going on. They just saw him as the enemy to, to all. Uh, Figgins is like, well, it wasn't our job to know. <laughs> fire fig- hashtag fire Figgins. And Emma's like, well, whose job was it then? Like we are the administration. We are the people that are in charge of making sure these kids are okay. Uh, if it wasn't, if it wasn't our job, whose was it? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's, I, I, a lot of these teachers are at fault, 
I mean, I, I think that if out of anyone, Sue is the one that definitely probably took the most appropriate action in removing him from the school. As far as like counseling this student, I don't, I don't necessarily know what the uh, what the policy would be for that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, Mr. Shu, you have seen him do this shit to Kurt. Like you've witnessed it, and you didn't step in. So. There were so many signs that there was there, that there was an issue with this child, and all of you sort of turned a blind eye to it because he was bullying the gay kid. And the only reason that you guys were comfortable with doing that was because you probably all grew up in a time when being gay that was of course you're gonna bully the gay kid. So you guys weren't as quick to defend him, and so you under you probably were just like in their in their minds are like oh. He's just doing it because he doesn't know any better, just like how I didn't know any better when I was a kid. And you didn't, you didn't have any, you didn't think, oh, maybe, maybe there's something else deeper going on here. And then the, the same thing happens to Karofsky when he goes to the new school and now he's the bullied person. And unlike Kurt, who has, was fortunate enough to grow up with a father that loved him, loved him no matter what. I don't know what the dynamic between Karofsky and Karofsky, I don't know what the dynamic is there, but clearly he was not he was not okay with coming to terms with who he was, um, so much so that he decided to make this decision. So, yeah, it's just it's just a really fucked up situation all the way around, and yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I kind of echo Emma here. Like I don't really know where they were supposed to step in. I just know that there were definitely times when they should have and they didn't. Yeah, absolutely. So the teachers are all talking there. Of course, all the adults uh, that we are familiar with. And we're also going to see some of the kids talking. Uh, Mercedes is with the God Squad. Of course, that's Sam. That is Quinn and Joe. And they're talking about, you know, they're starting this meeting off by praying for Karofsky. News has spread fast. Sam is like, I I just don't get how this could have happened. And Mercedes is going to tell them the story of exactly how everything went down. Uh, Apparently everything like is all details are all over Facebook. So information has traveled. Uh, Karofsky is in the hospital and she says, thank God his dad found him in time, which as we just mentioned, uh, Quinn is going to give her opinion on on this and say what he did was selfish. Uh, she's like he's been she's been in a bad place before, but she just never thought about something doing something like this. Like she never would have gotten to like something like that. It's it's selfish to everybody around you. Kurt walks in and he's like, Quinn, please enough. Relax. Uh, you had a baby when you were 16 years old and you had a bad dye job for, for like two weeks. So enough. Uh, the world never stopped loving you even throughout all of that. So mm-hmm. you're all, and you're going to Yale. Uh, so relax. Mm-hmm. And Quinn's like, you really want to try to compare? Uh, it doesn't matter, but I just can't imagine taking your own life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like one of those things where, wait, if you've never experienced it, of course you can't imagine it because you've never had to, you haven't been brought to that place. So you it's reductive i mean i'm 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 totally team kurt here because yeah like when like you you have you, you went through the ringer there is no questioning that but there are were a lot of uh what's the word there were a lot of safety nets for you as well you know what i mean where maybe karofsky didn't have that same support system that you did you were able to prop yourself back up with the help of others so maybe you never got to that point where you felt like you couldn't you couldn't do it anymore, and that's just not the case for everybody, and not everybody has the same upbringing and the same resources and all of that stuff, and and the same uh, brain chemistry, to be quite frank. So, yeah, I I understand what Quinn is trying to say here, especially since she's a, she's a religious person. She can't, and suicide is like the ultimate sin. 
So it's like you can never, like, that's just like you never even will allow yourself to go there. But that's just not the case for everybody, sweetheart. And for you to compare it to yourself, because you, you're talking about Kurt comparing it, which you're comparing it to your situation. You literally just said, well, I went through this and I went through that. So, and I didn't do it. It's like, well, girl, you didn't go through the, what he went through. And that, that's where the story ends. Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, Kurt is saying that, you know, they're still writing on Karofsky's Facebook wall and they're still being terrible. They're writing better luck next time and try, try again, which like, man, these like, obviously we're like, I don't know. I guess this isn't really like a, the point is not to debate like, is this realistic or not? I, I do feel like if this was like something that happened in my school, I feel like people are decent enough to not be doing things like that. But they're just, you know, obviously painting this as it is bad and it's not getting any better. Karofsky's facing a whole lot of hate uh, coming his way. Uh, they're asking Kurt why he's even there uh, because you don't even believe in God. Why are you Why are you here at the God Squad meeting? Uh, Joe, who is, uh, again, kind of having a quiet episode, but uh, he says that he invited Kurt. Uh, Kurt is just going to confide in them. He's like, I feel responsible. Karofsky asked me out and I said no. And then he kept calling me. And, uh, you know, just if maybe I answered one of those calls, maybe. And we see we see like Kurt declining Karofsky's calls. He literally called like nine times, I think it said, uh, nine missed calls from Karofsky. So obviously mm-hmm. he wasn't interested in having these conversations. Uh, Mercedes is going to tell him that they're bringing an edible arrangement to the hospital. And Kurt, if you want to come with us, you're more than welcome to. So... Kurt is just feeling pretty guilty about this. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, obviously it's not Kurt's fault. And Kurt, of, like, let's be clear, Kurt is the last person that really needs to be doing anything for Karofsky. Like, come on now. Like, he made your life a living hell. He cost your parents money, okay, for you to be, you know, safe. So I can understand Kurt ignoring those calls because it's like you know it's, it's you know it's one thing for you to you know come out and be like you know what like I'm really trying to find myself here and you know I, I want us to be friends that's cute and everything but Kurt has no obligation whatsoever to to oblige that because Kurt is finally also in a good place and he also has done a lot of growing and has also moved on with his life mm-hmm. um, but I can understand still the, the guilt that you must feel because Kurt you know at the end of the day Kurt is still a very compassionate person by trade so it's hard for him to separate, you know, any sort of culpability that he might have had, even if it really isn't his culpability at all. So for sure. Yeah. Right. So Kurt is uh, Kurt's dealing with that. And while while he deals with that, his uh, stepbrother, stepbrother. Yeah, I, I was sometimes I mix up stepbrother and what a brother in law, maybe. I don't know why it's like an obvious difference between the two, but I uh, I mix them up <laughs> half. No. Is there some? Is there another one? Stepbrother, half half brother? Is that a thing? Half brother's a thing, yeah. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Not brother in law, whatever. And unimportant. <laughs> Do you uh, know Finchel- the difference between all of them? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, a stepbrother is somebody who is, uh, you know, d- by marriage. A half brother is like we have the same dad but different moms, or other way around, right? Yes. Yes, you have different. You have a you have a different uh, parents. Yeah, that's right. Same dad or different, same dad, different mom, same mom, different dad. Either way. Right. Okay. Glad we could all clear that up uh, for anybody else out there who is just dumb like me sometimes. Yes. Uh, Step and in-law are just the same. They're by marriage. It just depends on who's getting married. It's your parents that are getting married. It makes it step. And if your siblings are getting married, then it's in-law. They couldn't think of a better name than brother-in-law, sister-in-law. Like, just give it a cute little name. I don't know. 
<laughs> we'll come up with something. <laughs> Finchel is making up in the hallway and apologizing for everything, the little fight that they had earlier on. Finn's like, uh, nothing anyone could say or do, those pictures, nothing would, you know, stop me feeling, you know, the way that I do about you, blah, blah, blah. Rachel is saying, no, I get it. We'll back out of regionals. Like, I understand and I, I will make this right. And Finn's like, no, 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 you have to perform. You have to go up there. I don't care about the pictures enough. I, 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 I you need to do this. You need to get into Niata. Rachel ends up saying, Listen, life's too short. Uh, how about this? I have an idea. Let's get married now. <laughs> Finn's like, I have Jim. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Saturday after we win regionals. He's like, seriously? Like, you're you're serious. And both of them are just happy, laughing, smiling. They, they hug. And this is the plan now. Uh, they're going to get married after regionals. No more wedding planning. Let's just do it right here, right now. Life is short. And Finn's like, well, what if we lose? And she says, well, I thought we agreed that I was singing, implying, of course, that they're not losing with Rachel Berry singing. So that's the plan. Let's, uh, let's have a wedding. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> I truly like okay. love to just the Finchel scenes like, all right, yep. Uh huh. That happened. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> right it's like it's just these two are just exhausting this season um there's just it's like i'm not rooting for finn i'm not rooting for rachel they're both like equally bad and then they come together to apologize for their bad stuff and then they're just like okay let's be awful together uh very hard oh you know stand. what oh you know what i want to do i want to talk about instead of finchel fucking joe again because we didn't really get a chance to acknowledge him too much in the last scene robbery Again, now, like, look, I understand that this is an episode that they wanted to ta- they wanted to tackle teen suicide and gay bullying. I get all that, but I, why? I just feel like they were like, we want to write a Christian character, and so the first appearances that he has on this show, one is about whether or not he should sing to gay people. The other one is whether or not he should be allowing gay people into like you know to, to pray for them, and it's just like, why is this? Th- I just feel like this is just not a good thing for Joe's character at all. Like, I just. There is no substance to Joe at all. Again, I just, it just, like, why is R- Rory still gets more time in this episode than Joe does? And Joe was, and Samuel was the one that got announced first as the winner. He got announced first, but, like, I think it's been pretty clear by now that, like, Rory was the real winner, or Damien was the real winner of, of that. Like, like the number one. Like, well, then, just then in terms have of- fucking Rory win the fucking Glee project, okay? And then if you want if you want Joe around, or Sam, uh, Sam around, you want Lindsay around, you want Alex around, then just give them the little respective episodes. But I just feel like this is clearly not... You know what? Let me stop ranting about this. I'm just glad you made me watch the Glee project, because I would have been very lost... You would have. And then they put his ass, like, you know, nonchalantly in the crowd at uh, regionals, which I didn't even <laughs> notice until now. He's over there fist bumping in the crowd when his ass should be up on that stage with them. I know. Like, yeah, I, we, when we get to, the, uh, when we get to the, the scene of all the New Directions talking about things, I'm like, we really still haven't invited Joe to the New Directions yet? Okay. I guess we're waiting for members to drop out or something? Like, what are we waiting like, for? Like, he literally he sings, plays he guitar, guitar and he sings. Like, I don't yeah. get it. 
I don't know. Um, I guess just holding off as long as possible to let the original kids all stay together. But I mean, you, you invited Rory. You can't invite Joe. Whatever. Um, we are going to go over to the Lima Bean. We see Santana, Brittany, Blaine, and Kurt meeting up with Sebastian. Santana with her signature line here. All right. Let me just tell you how things are going to go. Like she says that a lot to a lot of people. Uh, Sebastian's ultimately going to apologize to Blaine. And uh, of course, for the slushy. And he also tells them that he destroyed the pictures. He says uh, he's, he's obviously had a very big change of heart here. He says uh, they are actually the Warblers are going to take donations for Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation, which uh, I believe still exists. Right. And uh, definitely was huge around this time. Um, he is telling them that he is, you know, life is too short kind of thing. Same thing that Rachel was saying that, like, there, I, I've been terrible to all of you and I'm sorry about that. And he asks if they would like to join with like the whole donations thing. Uh, Kurt's like, wait for the punch. You know, it's coming. And Sebastian says, no, not this time. Uh, he, he was awful to Karofsky. And we see that scene you were talking about earlier where Karofsky asks him. So like, how do you get guys to like you? And Sebastian calls him fat and also tells him to stay in the closet. He's like, you're about 150 pounds overweight and uh, just don't even bother. So Sebastian, I guess having a moment of self-reflection here, realizing that like he's been terrible to some people for absolutely no reason and trying to make a change for it. Yeah. I just feel like we didn't get enough here for me to really want to be like, yay, Sebastian has seen the error of his ways. Like, I feel like they did so much time, you know, villainizing who he was and he was such a delicious villain the whole time. I mean, he literally opens up the episode being a little bitch, right? And then in a matter of 10 minutes, he's like, Oh shit! You know what? Let me. And I understand that it's like I mean, it, it would have been sociopathic to have this character be like, "Oh fuck, Karofsky. Like he tried to kill himself." I don't give a damn. But then, like, I feel like they didn't. I feel like those these stories could have been separate. You know what I mean? Because you had like, why did why did Karofsky and Blaine or um, excuse me, why did Karofsky and um, Sebastian have to meet up in scandals? Did they really have to? Did you really have to, like, shoehorn that, oh, he was mean to him this one time, and so this is what's helping him see the light? I would have kind of much preferred if he stayed being a bitch and then got his ass handed to him at regionals. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. I think it would have been a lot more satisfying to see that, but I guess the point of this in the episode was to show that, like, some people that are bad can change. Like, is that what we were going for here? That, like... Obviously, we hear that a bunch of people are still being terrible to Karofsky, but at least here's one important character who is like, you know, let me stop this. A lot bigger things are happening at the moment, and they reference a real charity, uh, Gaga's Born This Way Foundation, a real a real foundation that people can actually help, and they're taking donations, and maybe they were just trying to raise attention towards that uh, through the episode. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a choice, um, and it's not, you know, the worst choice to have somebody come around and stop being terrible. Like, that's not the end of the world, but I get what you mean about it. It would have been, you know, more satisfying to see Sebastian go down in a blaze of glory. But it also wouldn't have been a blaze of glory because it was a good performance that they did. So whatever. Let's go back to McKinley and the scene I was referencing earlier. We are going to see the New Directions sitting around on the stage with Mr. Shu. And Mr. Shu has a jar of peanut butter and one spoon. And everyone's like, what are you doing over there with one spoon? Sugar's like, I don't even feel comfortable sharing that with anybody, but like maybe some of you. Uh, <laughs> Will says that it has come to his attention that our good friend Rory has never tasted peanut butter. And everyone's like, what? No way. That's impossible. Uh, Rory is going to grab the spoon and grab the peanut butter and take a taste. He says, oh, my God, that is the best thing I've ever had. And everyone's laughing. Everyone's like, oh, that's adorable. He's so adorable. Uh, everybody loves Rory. And Kurt says, that's great and all, but 
like this has been an emotional week for all of us. I don't know what peanut butter is going to really do to lift our spirits. Will says, well, Rory just had a brand new experience. It was something as simple as peanut butter. And you guys are young. I want you to promise me that no matter how depressed you get, no matter how hopeless or alone you feel, you will try your best to imagine all of the amazing experiences that you have ahead of you. Mercedes is like, Mr. Shu, look, I know we're a little dramatic sometimes, but I don't think any one of us would ever consider taking their own life. And Will's like, well, I did uh, a long time ago. Like, you know, I, I did. And they are all very shocked to hear him reveal this. Uh, Will tells a story about how he cheated on his math midterm and his teacher saw him do it. They called his dad and his dad was coming to pick him up. And Will was just so afraid to look his dad in the eye. He just kept picturing him being so disappointed in him. So he walked to the roof of the school, went right to the edge. And he knew, you know, just one step and all the pain and the humiliation would all be over. He says that day felt like it was the end of the world, but it wasn't. Uh, he says for some of you getting caught cheating wouldn't be a big deal. Like they're all kind of laughing, not laughing, but they're like, that's all it was. He says some of you for that, for some of you, that wouldn't be a big deal, but everybody has that something that would take them to that edge. And, uh, you know, just look at all the things I would have missed out on. I wouldn't have met you guys. I wouldn't have met Emma, like everything great in my life. I would not have had if I went through with that decision. So right now I want all of you to think of something that you're looking forward to. And we're going to go around a little bit here. Puck says uh, someday he wants to earn enough money to buy his parents a new place so they don't have to go through losing their home again. Mercedes is most looking forward to meeting Rachel Berry's children. Artie wants to see his kids' first steps. Sugar wants to see Sex in the City Part 3. Uh, Puck is also going to say that he wants to graduate high school. I don't know why Puck gets two. Everybody else gets one. Uh, Finn is going to petition the army to change his dad's dishonorable dis discharge to an honorable one. Quinn is looking forward to graduating uh, from Yale at the top of her class. Santana wants her grandmother to love and accept her. Brittany wants Lord Tubbington to kick his ecstasy addiction. Uh, <laughs> Brittany. God, Brittany. Blaine wants marriage equality in all 50 states. Mike wants uh, to he's looking forward to the first time he dances at Carnegie Hall. Poor Tina Cohen Chang just recovering from the Asian bird flu. Just wants a song. Just wants a damn song. <laughs> Just once one, one song. I mean, she kind of just did get a song at sectionals, but all right. <laughs> she did, but I mean, come on, compared to all the, uh, I get it, I get it. Uh, <laughs> Kurt is looking forward to seeing his dad make a difference in Congress. Rachel is looking forward to being friends with everybody for the rest of her life. And uh, Rory's going to close this all out with the whole starting with the peanut butter. And he's like, I know this sounds silly, but uh, the one thing I'm looking forward to is winning at regionals. So we're going to go into regionals right after this, but give me your uh, your thoughts. We had a, a lot going on there. Um, wait, you said Puck got two? What was the second one? He said he didn't want uh, – he wants to have enough money to buy his parents a new place so they don't have to lose their house again. And he also says that he wants to graduate high school, even though that's no, no, embarrassing no, no. to admit. Sam said that. Oh. Well, that makes more I sense. Was I was confused. I was like, wait a second. What did I miss? Yeah, Sam Sam said he wants to earn enough money to buy his parents a house, and Puck wants to graduate high school. That makes a lot more sense. Um, why did I think <laughs> it was Puck? Maybe I wasn't looking at the screen. Yeah, no, that makes so much more sense. Uh, having Sam... Okay. Again, sometimes I'm dumb. Uh, but no, that was just a uh, whatever. So thank you for catching that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I like this scene because I think... For people that do, if anybody has ever had suicidal thoughts, I think at least something that's worked for me in the past, and thank the Lord I have 
not had um, a lot of experiences with. I think my lucky stars that I'm fortunate enough to never have like really been to that place too many times. But I think that's some, something that anchors me in like moments of like despair or intense anxiety are things that I, that I am grateful for or things that I want to do. And I think that it's a really tangible thing to tether yourself to something to say like to yourself, like, look, I matter here. My existence means something. And with it, with, if I, if I, if I don't, if I'm not here, then I can't watch this or I can't do this or I can't be there for this person. And so I, I think that this scene, while it's like, it's sort of like dips your toes into like the whole idea of like mindfulness as a coping mechanism for mental illness. I like, I like what they did here. So I thought it was sweet. I thought it was cute. What is one thing that you're looking forward to? Hmm. Um, I probably have to say like being a dad and, um, like actually (laughs) getting my shit together and, you know, putting more effort into my, into my artistry and, and, and not being afraid to just go for the things that I really want in life. Like, so I, you know, just, you know, having that confidence, like I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment where I'm able to just be free, not entirely free of insecurities because nobody is ever there, but definitely like putting more energy into the things that I want to do and just being a dad. Like I, I really, really want that for myself. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, keeps me going a lot of the time. Mine was, uh, mine was, Mine was going to be so short term. I was going to say, well, like, I'm really looking forward to like the move that I'm doing right now because I'm having fun, you know, kind of starting fresh. I'm kind of on my own oh, now. Yeah, that's work too. Yeah. Here. Yeah, the, well, yeah. That, that was too short term. Uh, I should probably go something a little bigger. Um, mine kind of actually, I, the bigger one probably aligns with, I guess, what Sam said, which I thought was Puck, um, about how he wants to have enough money to buy his, his parents a new place. And, you know, he doesn't want that. Just just thinking of your parents in that way. Um, yeah. Specifically, specifically my mom. I've, you know, my parents are split. I've been living with my mom for, uh, or I had been for, for many years. And, uh, you know, it's this, see, it's a, a touchy subject or not touchy, but like tricky subject at the moment. Uh, for, for the longest time, like my, that thing for me was um, that I wanted to help my aunt in that way before she had passed because she had been going through many hard times over the years. And uh, I always said that, you know, I, I can't wait till the one day that I have enough money where I really can, you know, afford to get her somewhere in a much better position in life, uh, whether that's, you know, helping her have a home, helping her, whatever it is. There were so many things that I was, that, that was in my head. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned on this podcast before, you know, she has passed recently and that's been tough. Um, but the, the same kind of sentiment does apply towards like my mom and, you know, the whole family, you like, you just want to be successful enough that you can help them Give in back. some way, you, you, you don't have to buy them a house, but just, you know, be able to just do something, you know? So right, that's my no. That's I mine. agree. That's that's definitely one for me as well. I agree. Yes. So it's uh, it's and I want to hear what everybody else has to say as well. Not to get too like deep out there, but I I just uh, put a tweet draft in for uh, on our on our Twitter page, and the tweet says, "What are you looking forward to?" or something like that. I don't remember it. Um, so I'm gonna hopefully remember to tweet that out around the time that these go out because I want to know what you guys are looking forward to. Um, it's uh, this scene is uh pretty touching and i i think you know this is kind of wrapping up the karofsky stuff Uh, we're gonna get a little bit later on as well but like what do you think of the way that this has all been handled um 
from a perspective of the show portraying all of this to us. You know, I mean, it's Glee, so and and they're very you know prone to these theme of the week uh, things, and I you know I, obviously there was a little bit of build up with the Valentine's Day episode. But as I understand it, after this is done, we kind of like don't really see too much of Karofsky again until like season six. <laughs> so um, I do wish that there was just like a little bit more time that we get with it. Uh, but I also understand that there are just so many characters in this show that it's sort of hard. A piece of me wishes maybe 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 the we would have seen a little bit more um, substance to this story if it were one of the new directions that went through this because then we'd be forced to spend time on it but I mean I you know I, I like I said before I think they did it as well as they could have mm-hmm. um, and it's one of the few TV shows that I've seen that tackles something like this and actually shows you somebody that's like literally on the precipice so yeah I mean I uh, it's sort of like I don't know I don't, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying this is a good representation because everybody's experiences are so different yeah um, but i will say that it's it certainly rings true for someone out there um and mm-hmm. so i won't diminish that either yeah i think at the end of the day like you said everybody has different experiences with uh like some people obviously have much closer experiences with something like this and it's just from somebody who i guess is lucky enough to have not had a personal experience with this. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but just um, I definitely felt the emotion. And I, I think this entire thing is handled uh, well, I, I would say. I mean, I would, again, of course, love to hear if anybody disagrees with that. Um, but just from the perspective of somebody who has not gone through something like this, um, I do feel like it covers a lot of parts uh, a lot of different aspects of all of this in a nice way where we get to see different people's perspective even like Quinn talking about earlier about how like she thinks it's selfish like just I'm sure there are people that think that and you know it's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. there it's it's a you know allowing everybody the space to have their uh, thoughts about it and then I, I it seems like Quinn comes around on it. it doesn't seem like she's holding to this opinion so you know you have to learn from the people around you so I'm hoping that that's what happened there but yeah um, a lot to unpack in this episode but as I said we're gonna you know that's the end not kind of the end of that because we're gonna switch over to go to regionals uh, we go to regionals we're gonna meet the judges uh, nobody notable except for this vampire you know who the vampire is no <laughs> the vampire is played by Ian Brennan oh shit Well, now that you say that, I could definitely see it. Yeah. Interesting. Ian Brennan playing this creepy little vampire, uh, one of the guest judges, and uh, Kurt is terrified to look at it. So uh, that is our guest star for the judges. Uh, We're going to begin with some Warblers numbers. They're going to go into a performance of Stand, and they're going to follow that up with Glad You Came. And while they do the first number, Finn gets up and he's cheering for them. The people from the other group are like, why are you cheering for like your competition? Finn's like, life is too short. Come on, get up and try it. Uh, at the end of Stand, Sebastian is going to remind everybody to donate. Please give what you can. Please, please, please. Uh, Glad You Came comes up. And then at the end of their numbers, the new directions are all up and clapping and very supportive of the Warblers. So what do you think of these two numbers? Uh, stereotypical Warblers numbers. I feel like you could literally you could literally put these in a Rolodex and just like, you know, you could throw a throw a dart at the board and put these in any other like i feel like none of the warblers numbers ever really match up to 
the episode. So <laughs> to me, they sort of like all blend together. I mean, they're great. They're fine. I just, I don't know. I just, I, like I said, like we when we when they first got introduced, I said that they become very gimmicky very fast for me, and I just feel like unless it's a song that I already have like a inclination to fuck with, then I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so they were fine, and I'm sure I'm sure a bit of this is being colored by my uh, distaste for Sebastian, but. At the same time, like I, like like I said, if you could, if they were doing um, Uptown Girl right now, I would be like, okay, you know what I mean. Like I just feel like none of these numbers really stand out too much for me, with with the exception of maybe Bills, Bills, Bills. <laughs> yeah, to me, I feel like the Warblers are like like your boy band of uh, of the year 2011, 2012. It's like. Uh, any song that they came out with was a lot of a lot of fun and really good and like you would you know uh, you loved the warblers so any another any extra warblers number performance they were all good and i get that a lot of them they they are pretty similar like i totally take your point but I take that in like a good way because I love all their numbers. Um, I truly could play all of them at any time. Like this, this is a thing I'm sure not just me, like songs that like you sing and like you kind of feel like you sing the best along with kind of thing. Like those tend to be songs that you favor more. Is that fair to say for you? Um, no. Okay. (laughs) I understand what you're saying. I do, but I, I feel like because of the fact that I sing like that's a, like one of the, the things that I've grown up doing and I've done it, you know, professionally and just as a hobby that doesn't really, I don't really have the same relationship with music that you do. Oh my God. Does that sound elitist? That sounded elitist. That sounded really bad. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying that like, I no, like You've I'm also not, never heard me sing. I, I haven't heard you sing. I haven't. No, I haven't heard you sing. That's, but that doesn't uh... have anything to do with my answer. I'm just saying like, I don't necessarily songs that, that come easily to me vocally don't necessarily take spots over songs that don't is what I'm saying. Like I don't like there are songs that I think that are absolutely beautiful that I have no business singing, but I still love them. <laughs> well, That's from, from the year 2012 uh, to the year 2020, I put myself in the warbler blazer and uh, I picture myself up on that stage and I would, uh, I, I would hope and, and would love to fit right in with them. Um, I would love to go to Dalton except for the part where they're like slushing people with like this, you know, what the, the way that, uh, that went down. But, uh, for the most part, when Warbler, when the, when Dalton was like uh, loving accepting school and everybody loved, you know, Blaine was hyping it up and Kurt was going there. It seemed like a great place to go. Um, besides the fact, actually, nope, I take that back. I can't go to school with like all boys. I need, you need the women around. You need the girls. <laughs> gotta, gotta you happen. do. Yeah. So, uh, glad you came is, uh, going to wrap up their performance. We're going to see the Golden Goblets, a uh, Catholic school or is going to go up next and they do a performance of She Walks in Beauty. Okay. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Figgins loves this one. He's jamming along in the crowd. I know. He is getting well, he listen, he came and got his spirit, you know. Like yeah. <laughs> They're, they're also, I mean, uh, we didn't say this, but they're at McKinley. Uh, the second time in a row they did sectionals and now uh, regionals at McKinley. So while the storyline says uh, this was a good thing for the New Directions because they have home field advantage, the backstage or the the behind the scenes tells me that like they didn't feel like getting another auditorium when they already had one this one this one available. So keeping the budget low, which Figgins mm-hmm. would be happy for. So, yeah. 
uh, show circle time in the choir room. Will asks Finn to start them all off, and Finn comes in with the blind side. He says, after the competition, Rachel and I are going to get married. Rachel says, uh, yes, we would we would love if you all came. There will be light refreshments after. You know, my dads are organizing everything. Finn tells them that after everything that's happened, we just don't want to wait anymore. We want to do this now. And Rachel's like, I know some of you have and some of you haven't supported us, but we truly hope that you will all come and be with us for this very special moment. And everybody's looking around. I mean, we get some direct eye contact with Quinn here. Quinn was obviously the one that was very... Uh, or, or the most vocal. I believe there was a cut scene also. There was, uh, I believe there was a cut scene of Quinn not being supportive towards Rachel and Finn. I think it was earlier in the episode um, saying that she, you know, again, following up with where the first time Rachel and Finn brought up their engagement, Quinn was somebody who stood up against it and almost got uninvited to the wedding. Uh, deleted scene, I guess, also got left out here from that. So we get some direct eye contact with Quinn, who is seemingly going to go along with this, and everybody puts their hands in for the show circle. Amazing! Uh, and it's time to perform. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Second regionals, baby. No, wait. Third regionals, because they went to regionals and there's first season but lost yeah so third regionals here we go yes. yes rachel and finn are getting married uh that's crazy that's crazy uh let's go win yeah. and then get married yeah i just <sighs> and like will didn't know that finn was gonna say that right he like asks finn to start them off no, uh, and then no finn idea. comes in with that yeah uh he probably thought it was gonna be one of his corny ass speeches again but no it was like oh i'm getting married yeah i liked it and so i put a ring on it you guys are the uh, the underdogs and nobody's rooting for us and you yeah. guys need to go out there and show them that no matter how many times they knock us down we'll get back up like i don't know no matter how many that's times they knock us down we're still going to get married win or lose <laughs> yeah uh, where's jacob in israel i miss that guy <laughs> i know fin, right? <laughs> fin and rachel are making me miss jacob in israel that's how you know it's bad um we're going to go into the new directions performances we're going to start off with fly mashed up with I Believe I Can Fly, uh, mostly led by Rachel at the beginning. We have some Santana in there, some Artie, some Blaine, some Mercedes. Uh, during this performance, we see Sebastian clapping along and smiling from the crowd. Uh, also, we see Rachel's dads are in the audience, along with Bert and Carol. Uh, of course, I guess, preparing to leave right after this and go to uh, the the wedding. Like, what time do you think that regionals happens? Like, I, I imagine it's like a late in the day thing, uh, or that's what I always would have pictured it. But I guess it's uh, like a one o'clock show and then they can plan the wedding afterwards. I just that always confuses me. Yeah, I'm assuming it's like, yeah, I'm assuming it's like, you know, afternoon ish. Yeah, like one o'clock, two o'clock, maybe three, something like that. I guess so. I just always picture it being like a nighttime thing and then like they're going out at like 11 o'clock to go to the wedding chapel and I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's ever been at night. I don't think any of the competitions that we've seen have been at night so far. Like whenever they're in New York, it was still daytime during that performance. And I think maybe the, yeah, I think, I think all of the uh, performances have been during the daytime or if, or late evening. Yeah, you're probably right. It's just uh, like, I guess my experience with like, theater uh, my only high school yeah. experience and not that this is theater was you know shows were at nighttime uh for us and i guess show choir competitions are a little different so yeah mm -hmm. um 
Uh, they're gonna so yeah, that's that's up first. Next, we're gonna go into the trouble tones. Of course, have one number per per performance now. Uh, the trouble tones are gonna do what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and uh, that's of course led by our three trouble tones. Uh, Sugar somewhere in there, but Mercedes, Brittany, and uh, I almost said Rachel and Santana. Um, how funny is it that like the new directions already has 15 members and we're still recruiting the Cheerios uh, to be in the background of this trouble tones number because they were like mm, 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 mm. Quinn and Tina are not in our group, honey, bring them Cheerios mm-hmm. back there. And they was not with us in these streets. They decided to stay <laughs> with the new directions. So the new directions, they shall stay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I love the triple tones and I'm glad we're getting uh, this, you know, that Quinn put this all together to, to make sure that we get this number from them. It's uh, it's necessary. Yeah, it was a nice little like pick me up number before the, the grand finale. I thought that they did really good and the choreography was spot the fuck on. Oh, yeah, they they are so good. And then Rachel's going to take us home with Here's to Us. And, of course, she starts this off by herself. And then by the end of the song, everybody comes in from the balconies, from both sides. We have everybody joining on stage. And it is just, I love Here's to Us. I, let me say, I love all five songs from this regionals performance. Stand, Glad You Came, Fly, Mashed Up With I Believe I Can Fly, What Doesn't Kill You, and Here's to Us. All five of those do not get skipped when they come on in the car. I love all five of them. Um, I would say Here's to Us is probably the best. Um, I'm not as high on this uh, regionals as you are. I think that all of the songs are great. I think that the sectionals of this season is a lot better than the regionals of this season. It they're 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 fine. They're good. I like Here's to Us. I think I like the Trouble Tones the best out of all of the numbers thus far. I mean, we already talked about how I feel about the Warblers. And what was the first song that they did, The New Directions? Uh, the mashup. Yeah, Fly, Fly and I Can Believe I Can Fly. Well, well, one of those songs we can't really listen to that much anymore because, yeah, when we got to talk about that. But um, I, uh, I always felt like that was a weird-ass mashup even before all of the bullshit with R. Kelly. So, yeah, I would think if I had to go for my favorite song, it's definitely the Trouble Tones here. Maybe maybe followed by Here's to Us. I will not rank. Um, I I will not put myself through that. Today I'm going to love myself enough to not put myself <laughs> through that torture because uh, I love all five of them a lot. So that's that. Uh, time for the results. We are going to wheel out Mr. Vampire Guy, also known as Ian Brennan, uh, out in his coffin. The crowd goes wild for him. The uh, the Golden Goblets are in third place. The champions of this year's 2012 regionals, blah, 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 is from McKinley High, the New Directions. Yes, they're going to nationals, baby. I just really wish that we got more of Sebastian being like, fuck, we lost. I just feel like we didn't get enough of that. Yeah, all we get is Blaine going over to give him a handshake, which is like, yeah, that's all Sebastian wants from you, a handshake. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So, love two bros going to, going in for the handshake. Love it. Yeah. Hmm. Er. Uh, Mr. and Mr. Barry were in the audience to watch them win, as well as uh, Carol and Bert. Sue was there. Like I said before, Joe was there fist pumping by himself. <laughs> fist pumping by himself. Poor guy. I know. Like, what the fuck? I would have been so pissed if I were Samuel Larson and I showed up to set that day for the fucking regionals scene 
and all of the new directions, including my co-winner, are up on stage, and I'm just in the fucking amongst the rest of the extras, as if I didn't just win a competition to be on this show. Like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. Uh, this. So yeah, regionals is uh came and gone it like you said it snuck up on us so fast and then it just got thrown into the middle of this episode as if it was just you know just another another day it happened so quickly but what are you gonna do um i don't hate it it's fine i mean obviously we're gonna see that nationals is the big thing of this season and we had to squeeze in a regional somewhere in there get some warblers numbers in everybody had a good time gave us five numbers that i like a lot and amon likes okay just fine uh, after regionals, <laughs> Quinn is going to meet Sue in her office. Uh, Sue says to Quinn, thank you for coming. I know you must be exhausted from singing all those oohs and background ahs. Have a seat. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of thinking this week, and uh, I don't know if it's this Karofsky thing or even seeing you perform, but I realized something that I've always admired you, Quinn. And at first I thought it was because you reminded me of a younger, somewhat less striking Sue Sylvester. But then I realized I admire you for all the ways that you're not like me. You prove that it's never too late to turn your life around. And with that in mind, I'm giving you this. And we see Sue present to Quinn her Cheerios uniform. I imagine that it's like like the way they present it is like this is your uniform, like the one that you had and you handed back to me. Like this is the exact one. It's yours again. Not a, not a brand new one. This is yours. Uh, and then we're going to see Quinn walking down the hallway in her uniform. She's catching the attention of a couple boys that walk by. And they're like, looking good, Quinn. Uh, Rachel is going to see her as well. And Rachel, she, Quinn's like, oh, how do I look? Like, I'm back in my uniform. Rachel says, I'm happy. If you're happy, you are. Everybody deserves to be happy. And Quinn asks Rachel, okay, to help me out with this. Quinn asks Rachel if she was singing that song to Finn and only Finn. She's like, he makes you happy, huh? So obviously this is going to be Quinn telling her that she wants to support her and come to the wedding. What is Quinn doing asking Rachel if that song was to Finn and only Finn? What is she getting at? I guess she was just like, oh, so like she was just letting her know, like, I, I saw what was going on between the two of you. Like, you really, really love him. Like, I get hmm. it now. Hmm. Why? What do you think? I don't know. My, uh, my... For for Barry, instincts are going off. Are you serious? <laughs> of course, I'm serious. This is like this is this is a thing. There this are is not a thing. You guys are deluded. I like I remember this shit like popping off in like the blogs and stuff back then. Mm-hmm. You guys are That's all what I'm talking about kidding yourselves. You're kidding yourselves. This was what do you never mean we're a kidding thing. ourselves. This Barry is... is not a thing, honey. You are. No. We are losing so many viewers. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, if you're out there, please, like, I'll. I, I don't know. I'll make this up to you somehow. Amon, you are. You are. Then leave. Us. Then leave. You know what? Leave, listeners. If you if you really believe in the Fabari thing, Amon. that these these are the kind of listeners that we don't want anyway. No, I'm, no. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But still, Fabari is not a thing. It's just <laughs> not a thing. Just let people believe. Go, go run and tell everybody Santa doesn't exist. Why don't you? Please. Go run into the streets and let them all know. When? What inclination would we have ever gotten? When? What scene? That slap what line? in season two, the sexual tension in the room. I'm oh, telling you. Rachel was like, ooh, hit me again. You, my friend. 
it exists, Amon. It exists. The Faberi fandom is is like like it's I, number one might be the Clane fan. No, Britanna, Clane, Faberi. That is, I think, the order of uh, of stands that exist in the Glee universe. There's no Quinn and Puck stands. There's no Quinn and Finn stands. Oh no, there, there, there are, are some Quinn and, and Puck stands. stands. There are definitely some some what is their name together? Quinn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Puck Puckabray. I don't know. Puckleberry, uh, Puckleberry is so good, uh, such a good. Yeah, Puckleberry name, is really good. All right, well, Amon's crushing all the, all the Faberry dreams, but Quinn is going to end up accepting the invitation to the wedding to watch Rachel, the love of her life, marry Finn, the guy who she spends some time in a hot tub with. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, if you're a new Glee fan and you don't know what I'm talking about, I should probably explain any of this. Uh, well, not that this is hard to understand, but like there was a lot of fans who shipped Quinn and Rachel over time, just thinking that something could be there, something might happen. Um, the, just the dynamic between the two of them. There were a lot of fans that were rooting and they were for all it, and crazy. They were all hopeful, and they were all great people. And um, you'll, if you're watching this for the first time, you'll have to keep an eye out to see if anything does happen. Just keep an eye out for the for the hints or tips or things that sent the Faberry stands over the edge over time. So that's Faberry for you. Anything else from this before you crush anyone else's dreams? Faberry doesn't exist. Just for good measure. <laughs> all right. And let's go over to the hotel. Uh, hotel. What? Did, uh, the hotel, hotel room. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> the hotel room. Uh, yeah. The hospital room uh, that Karofsky is currently at. Kurt is going to pay him a visit. Uh, the doctors took Karofsky off of a 72-hour watch, and he's able to go home tomorrow. Kurt tells him that he's just really happy he's alive. Uh, as you can tell from this scene, Karofsky can barely talk. I mean... Look, you know, you know what just happened. Uh, the reason he's in the hospital, his vocal cords must be, you know, pretty stressed out at the moment. Uh, I, I don't know the correct way to phrase all that, but he is talking very quietly. Um, Karofsky is uh, well. Kurt's saying that he feels bad. Uh, he feels bad about missing all those calls. And Karofsky's like, I get it. You made I made your life a living hell for a month. Um, but when the same thing happened to me. Like people were ruining my life. I couldn't even take it for a week. Uh, Karofsky, we do get some insight to his relationship with his mom. Uh, he said his mom said that uh, he must have a disease and maybe it can be cured. So obviously his mom is not very accepting of this at all, uh, to say the least. And he doesn't know what to do. He's like, I can't go back to that school. I, I just can't. Kurt's like, well, you can find a new school. Listen, it's going to, you know, some days are not going to be easy. Some days are just going to suck. But you're going to get through this because I will help you. And so will everybody else who loves and accepts you for who you are. And Kurt is uh, Kurt saying Mr. Shu wanted everybody to go around and talk about something they're looking forward to. He wants Karofsky to do the same. Tell me something you're looking forward to. He's like, close your eyes and imagine what life could be like in 10 years. You're sitting in a fantastic office. You're some kind of successful professional, a lawyer maybe. Karofsky's like, can I be a sports agent? Kurt's like, sure. You're a big sports agent living in the city of your dreams because you left Lima and never looked back. Your handsome partner comes to visit you in your office and brings along your son. You're going to take the day off of work because your son is going to his first football game. You lean over to your partner and you say... Karofsky says, I'm so happy right now. And he says to Kurt, he's like, you, uh, you, you wanted to be, f you said last week you wanted to be friends, right? And Kurt says, yes, I'd like that. Karofsky says, me too. So the two of them are going to move forward as friends after the journey that they've just been on. I love this scene. 
I really do. I mean, it's literally like it's get it gets better like incarnate, you know. Like, I just mm-hmm. Kurt is being so unbelievably kind here and so empathetic, and because I mean he knows he knows what Karovsky is going through, and I'm just glad that Karovsky was able to be pulled pulled from the brink. And it's not always this easy, you know. Like sometimes people deal with suicidal ideation for long periods of time and some people don't survive it but he was able to survive and not only was he able to survive but he was able to you know like kurt helped him picture a better life for himself something to fight for and give him that sense of vitality Mm because i feel like a lot of people get like this this um uh perception of depression and how it is just sadness and really it's not just simply sadness. It is like the loss of vitality. It's the loss of the will to 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 want to live, to want it's like it's like it's like you somebody takes all the color out. You know what I mean? And it's you, it, you know it robs you of a dream. And I feel like in this scene you sort of just see Karofsky come into his own and get the courage to dream of a better life for himself and that is like I don't know. It's just it's just really inspiring. I like it a lot. Yeah, and obviously, you know, very touching from Kurt to just along the way here, just to feel all the sympathy and empathy towards him. Uh, just just trying to understand, uh, you know, trying to to help him. He feels like he he could have done more. A lot of people feel like they could have done more. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day. Uh, would Kurt answering those nine calls have done anything? Who can say? Uh, you know, you again, you everybody feels like if I did this, this couldn't have happened or this would have been prevented. And, you know, we're all lucky uh, or, you know, everybody in this universe is lucky that this did not end up, you know, that Karofsky is safe and and, and working towards you know, being better and having, um, you know, having help and support along the way. So things could have been a lot worse after all this. Luckily, the way things played out, they can move forward. So love that Kurt is there for him. And he's, you know, saying, yes, let's be friends. Please, like, let me be here for you. Let me help you kind of thing. So love that from Kurt. So mm-hmm. very nice. Um, we are going to go over to it's time for the wedding. We see Sue has arrived. Uh, she's going to talk to Will for a little bit. She's congratulating him on the Glee Club being fantastic at their performance. And she's like, now you congratulate me. He says, why? She says, I'm pregnant. Uh, Sue's like, uh, obviously, he's very excited for it. He's very excited for her. Uh, Sue says that she's at the wedding because she just couldn't miss it. She couldn't She couldn't miss Finn and Rachel getting married, so she's crashing the wedding. Um, and she also is going to propose to Will here that she helps them prepare for nationals because she's a proven champion. So he thinks there's a catch. She says, nope, I just want to help. Isn't that weird? That's, yeah, a little weird. <laughs> just a bit. This is, this, is, this, is like, this is a bait and switch? Like, what's going to happen, Sue? Like, the last time you tried to call the truth, you ended up going right back on your word. The first day of school, so I just need to know <laughs> what is the fucking catch here. What is happening? Um, and elsewhere, we are gonna see. Well, not elsewhere. We're still at the wedding. Uh, Bert is freaking out. He's like, "Isn't this a big mistake? Like, we we started playing all these reverse psychology games. Like, a lot of things were going on trying to stop these two, and now we're here at the wedding. Like, what is happening?" Carol's like, "Yeah, how did how did we screw up? Well, like, how did this happen?" Um, Rachel's dads are 
very uh, feeling a little attacked here. They're like, oh, we're going to play the blame game. All right, that's fine. Bring it. Let's let's do it. Uh, and Carol's like, no, like, listen, uh, he's saying he's saying so. So Bert was saying we screwed up like we're we are our kids are about to get hitched. And she's like, how do we screw up by raising like two independently smart and, you know, uh, kind kids like at least we're here. At least we're, you know, attending. Like, it's not like we're not present for this happening. Like, we don't agree with it, but, like, they are passionate and this is what they want. So we didn't do anything wrong here. It's just that they're making this decision and it is what it is. But Bert and uh, the Berries are just not having this bullshit at all. And I don't think Carol is either, but at the same time, it's like, well, we're already dressed up. We're at the, we're at the church. What are we going to do now? You're just going to, like, cancel mm-hmm. the wedding? Yeah. It's uh, the, the yeah, Rachel's dads are saying the same thing. Like uh, there's there's no way that we're going to be able to talk her out of it. Patty Lapone herself couldn't even talk her out of marrying Finn. Uh, maybe Barbara, maybe Barbara could, but she's not here right now. Um, that's not 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 an option. So what we're going to do is uh, we're all when, when it's time to ask, does anybody object? We're all going to say we do. Um, and then they're putting together this whole plan about how they're going to get Rachel out of here and get her in a car and send her straight to Broadway to remind her of her dreams. And if that doesn't get her back on her career track, then, you know, I don't know what will. Are we all agreed? Sounds like a plan. Uh, plan is an action. The adults are ready to go with this idea. Um, we're going to see Finn and Rachel. Uh, Finn seeing Rachel in her dress. That's not supposed to happen, but it's happening. Yeah, he, he broke that Uh that superstition and yeah the bad the bad luck definitely came mm-hmm. yeah it did um he cannot believe how beautiful she looks rachel's gonna check her phone she has a text from quinn the text says uh ran home to get my bridesmaids dress be there soon as we are going to play out the rest of this scene uh we get chapel of love playing in the background going to the chapel and where gonna get mad yeah. and we see Quinn Fabray driving her car driving along and uh, everybody's freaking out Quinn is not coming <laughs> I wanted you to keep going too I thought it would have been funny I, want, I really wanted to keep going and then I was like no I can't I'm just I'm listening to it in my ears now um, but it's okay. Uh, you you were uh, you were great. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Quinn is Quinn's driving to uh, back to the wedding. She's coming. She's she's getting closer and closer. Everybody's freaking out because she's not there yet. We see Santana and Tina and Brittany and everybody in their uh, bridesmaids dresses. Finn and all the guys walking down the hall. All the all of his best men. All the New Directions guys. Um, Mercedes is freaking out because he's, she's like, Finn, you can't see her. Uh, she already has, or he already has. So too late now or never. He's trying to implore to Rachel. We need to go do this now. We're running out of time. We need to get in there and and do this. Rachel's begging him, please. Quinn is, is close. We need to wait for Quinn, uh, for Barry, for Barry, for Barry. Um, Rachel's going to send Quinn a text that says, where are you in all capital letters? And in, in, oh, while this is all happening, Bert and uh, Rachel's dads are changing up the plan. We, we got to do something else. This isn't working. We got to figure something else out. We're going to cut over to Quinn Fabray driving in the car. She picks up her phone while she is driving and she texts back to Rachel on my way. And we end the episode off with Quinn driving as a very large truck is going to drive right 
into her car. Yeah, she should be dead. <laughs> she, that truck was coming pretty fast, and it rammed right into her. She should it be dead. Right, right into her. If this scene is to be believed, Quinn's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way around <laughs> it. There's there's really no way around it. Watch that scene. Um, it's just, just yeah. It's it's yeah. Uh, that, I mean, what else is there to say? She. Should have or would have, uh, based on the way that we saw that go down. Um, I guess uh, I guess we're kind of spoiling this, but you know, it's it's hard not to. Uh, that that Quinn is obviously not not going to die here. Uh, we'll find out in the next episode how things are all playing out with that. Which again, what from like February to April, it was a long break, waiting to see how that all played out. But Quinn is not is going to be okay after all. Um, but th- we we've arrived at the Quinn car car crash. Uh, Quinn's entire storyline since season one has been one prolonged car crash. So I guess you might as well uh, turn it into a real car crash here why didn't you just call her rachel damn <laughs> like right? just like you call her driving. put her on fucking speakerphone could have avoided this whole damn long ass hiatus for no fucking reason i know what do you what do you make of the car crash i mean it is something that has stuck with me for years that i hate what they did to quinn at the beginning of the season and i hate that they had her in a car crash like Again, it's like, I mean, like, it felt like the beginning of this episode. Okay, we touched on the teen suicide storyline. They wanted to do a texting while driving thing. And it always, 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 always pissed me off that why did it have to be Quinn? I didn't get it either. If it really just felt like they're just throwing anything at Quinn's character to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And they knew that there was going to be a bit of a hiatus here. um, And they wanted to give us some sort of dramatic cliffhanger. And I just... Yeah, it just doesn't really make any sense to me at all. And you you had to feel that it had to be, I guess, a, a main important character. They didn't want it to be like, sorry to Brittany. They didn't want Rory, it to be Brittany. They didn't want somebody. it to be Mike, Rory. They didn't want it to be Tina. They didn't want it to be somebody where you would not have been, you know, this sounds harsh, but not have been as invested in how things played out. But like you had had to be a main character, I guess, without being Finn, Rachel, Santana, Mercedes or Kurt or whatever. So like. Quinn, I guess, just happened to be the person that, you know, they had the most room that they figured they could play around with. Like you said, they just threw anything at her to see what stuck. And, oh, man, I I hate it. I hate it a lot. Yeah, me too. It's not a lot of fun at all. I really do. I am so conflicted about my slushy rating. We'll get into it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. Any any other thoughts on the car crash before we talk about the episode as a whole i just i think we'll we'll get into a lot more of our thoughts on it as we see how things play out in the coming episodes but just i mean if you want my thoughts on on the car crash i i hate it i i don't think that needed to happen to quinn i don't think it needed to happen either i don't just based off of what i remember um i this very it doesn't have a lot of consequence in the coming episodes other than her getting to roll around with Artie, you know what i mean which is you know sure Mm -hmm. cool like already has somebody that's going to be able to relate to him for a couple of episodes. But uh, did we really need that for Quinn's character? I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. No. Yeah. So again, we'll get into more of that as, as time goes on, but that's, that's the episode there on my way titled. Of course, that was Quinn's text to Rachel. Uh, pretty infamous storylines all around here with the Karofsky situation and the Quinn situation. Um, a lot happening here. Let's get into first our favorite songs, which for me kind of already did that, but let's, let's get into it all. 
Cough syrup. Blaine Anderson. Stand. Dalton Academy Warblers. Glad you came. Also, the Dalton Academy Warblers. Fly. I believe I can fly. Uh, we got wait, Rachel, Santana, and Artie pretty much that take the lead for this one. And the New Directions. What Doesn't Kill You, The Trouble Tones, led by Brittany, Santana, and Mercedes, of course. And then here's to us, Rachel, and the New Directions. I mean, you already said that yours is cough syrup, so we know that. <laughs> yeah, cough syrup is, is obviously my number one. Um, I already said that. Uh, I'll give you a second place because I said I wasn't going to pick, but I, I will pick one, which I already, again, also kind of spoiled. Uh, here's to us is my favorite of the rest of those. So uh, I'll give it to that as the runner up there. But cough syrup, that's it. What do you got? I think I'm going to go ahead and give it to what doesn't kill you stronger. I, uh, I really enjoyed this Trouble Tones performance. I thought it was a nice little, ooh, okay, okay. They like really switched up and like got me like really invested in the rest of the New Direction set when they came on stage. So I like that. But I, uh, I also, I, I understand why cough syrup is so high on everybody's list. It's just not um, my favorite. Do you feel like this is not going to go over well with a lot of Glee fans that it's not even your favorite of the episode. But, but let me tell you something. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. And look, like I, 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 like I said, I, like I, this episode is a lot for me. I, so I understand what people, I understand why people like the song. Um, I just don't view it the same way. I just don't. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't. Let's get into our slushy ratings. I'm going to go ahead and give this 2.5 slushies. Holy. Like I said, I think that they did as well as they could have done. They obviously used the Valentine's Day episode as a setup. I just don't think that this episode, there just wasn't enough time. And it all, you know, this all happens to Karovsky and we don't really get to see Karovsky other than that little reconciliation after... You know, he's in the hospital and everything, and he's awake and everything, and off the 72-hour hold. Like, we just missed a lot of the... And I, I understand. Once again, I understand that Glee really treads the line here. They don't... They are on the side of comedy. They want this to be a fresher show, a lighter show. So I, I understand that. But this is such a heavy topic that I really feel like it deserves a little bit more than what we're given. I also, like I said, I'm annoyed with Joe's character. I really am. I'm very annoyed with the way that they handled it. I'm annoyed with what they did to Quinn at the end of this. Um, there's just like a lot of like things that annoy me in this episode. So yeah, 2.5 slushies. Wow. Um, and on that note, I am going to give this episode zero slushies. Wow. This is the, we have never been so far apart ever. This might be our biggest difference of uh, of the choir room so far, and uh, I don't know. Is it my is it my move? Is, am I are we changing? Like, is everything okay? I, I don't know. Um, hopefully, we will continue to be okay, and uh, everything you know, we will we'll be fine. I think if you guys are okay, I think we're all a little shaken up after this uh, episode here today. Uh, yes, I'm gonna give it a zero, a, a big zero. Um, there are certainly, and and that might sound crazy because obviously I just came down on the Quinn thing, but, but at the end of the day. This is an iconic episode of Glee. It is a very memorable episode. A lot of people, I'm sure, that do not that that didn't watch religiously or that didn't 
that, that maybe haven't thought about Glee in years probably still remember this episode. Just both of the main storylines of it, the um, the Karofsky thing and the Quinn thing. It's just as much as I disagree with the choice, it was a big decision and a big choice and it made an impact and it had me for months of my life hoping that Quinn was okay and that, and just worrying about this show and thinking about it for a while. You know, I, I really, I'm not kidding when I say I was thinking about it the whole time, like just hoping that everything was going to be okay and just thinking about it and the regionals performance. I love all five songs a lot. Uh, as I've mentioned a couple times, all of them are great. I don't know. I, I, I definitely could pick apart different things, but at the end of the day, this is an iconic episode. I was really looking forward to it. It has my number one song of all time and all of the rest of them are good as well. Um, the Rachel and Finn thing is crazy. Again, not my favorite thing, but it's just, it's an important episode. So altogether, I just end up with the, uh, zero. Yeah, that's, that's me. Well, again, like, look, I, uh, I understand why you would do that. I get it. Um, just for me, I just feel like, I just feel like it wasn't handled with as much care as I would have wanted it to be. And so that was like the most distracting thing of all for me. Mm -hmm. Um, especially the ending. It was just like, what the fuck? Like this episode is all over the place, but, um, I certainly have been able to forgive a lot of all over the place episodes of Glee in the past over the course of this podcast and given some of them zero fucking slushy. So I understand (laughs) Yes. Uh, I just couldn't do it this time. Fair enough. And uh, let's get some gold stars out here. Maybe end a little bit on a more positive note. I'm sure, you know, even if you didn't love the episode, I'm sure there's somebody in there that did something that caught your eye. I, I would hope for this gold star. Uh, this is going to be controversial. I know that it is. And I kind of already joked that I might be doing it. Um, but just watching the episode back again, I got to get it, give it to Karofsky here. I just, he really was not a good person in season two at all. We get to see a bit of his redemption towards the end where he's coming to terms with what he's done to Kurt and then being a part of the bully whips. And, you know, he tells Kurt, like, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. Like, I, 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 I'm just, I can't believe that I did this to you. I'm so sorry. So we get to see that he's beginning to realize that his behavior was horrific and could have driven Kurt to do something really bad. But, I mean, he's made a lot of progress, and, you know, he's trying to make amends, and then he sort of, like, it was an ill-advised move to try and date Kurt. I mean, you just bullied this kid for for a year. Like, you can't try and date him now. And then he gets turned down, and then everybody else at his school finds out about it, and the whole thing with Sebastian, like, it's just... I mean, some gay people, they just go through so fucking much. They go through so much, and they don't get the support that they deserve. And there are so many gay kids that kill themselves over nothing. And they don't get to experience so many things because some other kids decided that they wanted to make their lives a living hell. They'll never get the chance to fall in love, you know, have a family, you know, have their dreams come true have the job of their dreams, all of that stuff because of the intense bullying. And so to see him go through all of that, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the way that they did it and to see Kurt be that person to come in for him and tell him like, look, like, Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. Don't give up. Like, just don't give up. Please don't give up. I just, 
I couldn't give it to anybody else but him because I, I root for that. Like if you if you are showing me that you are understanding where you have gone wrong and you were doing everything in your power to make amends, like I just can't help but root for somebody like that. So I got to give it to Karofsky. I totally get that. Uh, totally take everything you just said. I agree with all of it. It's it's a, a tough topic uh, in many different aspects of it. And Karofsky, I mean, this is maybe one of those situations, again, where the actor uh, kind of gets the gold star by, you know, by whatever, by association or whatever. Um, Max Adler doing a fantastic job uh, portraying Karofsky here and just this whole episode uh, knocked it out of the park. So. I feel like mine's going to be a little controversial um, because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to get around this, but I, I'm just going to go with my gut here. I'm giving it to Quentin. I feel like this is a gold star that I kind of ha- I had this weird thing where I knew that this gold star was coming for a while. I always said, like, I feel like I need to give Quinn a gold star in the episode she gets into the car accident as a way to be like, F you to the writers for doing this to Quinn. Uh, because mm-hmm. we get to this point where Quinn has been on an upward trajectory. She's gotten her life back in order after everything had started to go south for her uh, with all the Beth stuff. She had gotten into Yale. She had been becoming, she'd come around. She got all of her friends back together. She was, you know, she got the trouble tones, their performances because she was trying to make all of her friends have this happy senior year together and close things out on a, on a positive note. This episode, she gets her Cheerios uniform back after originally being told no, and just things are looking up for her. And, you know, it's just, they decide to take it all away in, in one scene, yeah. in one big moment. And it's just so sucky. And I I don't know. I don't know what it is in me. Obviously, I'm a big Quinn fan. I'm a big Quinn stan. Just something within me. I'm like, I need to make this right in any way that I can by giving Quinn my gold star here. Sorry if you don't like it. No, I don't think that's a bad choice at all. And I think, yeah, they really did a lot of propping her up only to put her in a car crash. Like, what the fuck? Like, uh, all right. Sure. Like, and I get this. The theme of this episode is life is short. You know, that's all covered all around by many aspects of this episode. Um, But. I guess they were taking it literally here that like life is short. They're about to, I don't know. It just, it's, it's a lot. Um, so I feel like there are going to be a lot of opinions about a lot of things that, uh, both of us said, hopefully not all negative. I don't know. Just, this was obviously a big episode, a lot to talk about, lots to break down here and uh, a whole lot more to come, but, uh, what else, anything else that we should mention before we get out of here, please let us know what you think of, uh, anything that was going on today with this, the gold stars, maybe, a little controversial on my end. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. Uh, the goal, the, the slushy rating is obviously very different. What else before we get out of here today, Amon? No, I mean, I think that this episode is, um, I mean, you're right. It is definitely one of the more iconic episodes of the show. Uh, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it paved the way for a lot of other shows to talk about the same thing, because like I said, I, I know that there are definitely other shows that have touched subjects like these, but, you know, it, you know, just normalize the conversation a bit more and get people talking about mental health and bullying and all of that shit. So I'm, I'm thankful in that respect um, that Glee yeah. had the balls to go there. 
I agree. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's all I've got uh, for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we uh, are coming up with a guest in our next episode, which I think will be a lot of fun. We'll get into uh, Blaine's brother, big brother coming by uh, with a guest star on the show as well. So that should be a whole lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening again. I already said that uh, leave us some reviews <laughs> and ratings and all that stuff. Follow us on Twitter. Amon is at Amon Adwin. I'm at Matt Ligori. Uh, follow us both with our Choir Room account at Choir Room. What is it? At uh, Choir Room Pod. I, I don't know what I was about to say. Uh, follow us and thank you guys very much. And we will see you guys at Nationals. Spoon.